0: But from that experience, I really realized I liked how technology ch- disrupts things and changes people's behavior. And I really realized I like being a change agent. I like learning and I like building around that.
1: Hi, guys. Welcome back to Beyond High Street. David Schwab here. I tell you, I thoroughly enjoy each and every one of these pods. But when I get to have a conversation with someone you, I went to school with, uh, twenty plus years ago, and had drinks with its skippers, and had classes with, and then you can see their success years later. It makes it even more special. And that's what we got today. A chat with Lisa Dahmer. It, it, what's what's great about Lisa, um, and, and why she fits so well into the different types of people and stories is she's actually in between jobs right now. After twenty plus years of a uber successful business career, uh, and we spent a bunch of time on how to recharge and think and learn. And as she says it, how do, you, how do you even disrupt yourself? Something that we all don't talk about and don't talk about if you're in between jobs or what to do next. And the conversation goes in many areas and, and you can hear it from her about her thirst to learn, how she has worked hard to understand technology that changes behavior, the importance of being a change agent and things that she's learned now about that space and needing space to think and something that she missed early in her career. And even when she lived in Paris for four years, understanding signals of communication, both verbal and nonverbal. She credits Miami to giving you opportunity, but it's up to you to reach out and grab it. And she shares a a great lesson. Her mom said, don't be a bystander in life, be a doer. Uh, And she, she gives us two unbelievable stories Uh, about a cold call she made in 2000 to a CEO telling her why she was the right person for a job, asking for what you want and how that set her up for the next 15 plus years of business success. And also an unbelievable story at the career fair at Miami. Is her name Lisa or is her name Melissa? I'll let you listen to that and hear the whole story. It's fantastic. Uh, We started the conversation with the simple question. What inspires you?
0: I definitely am inspired by learning. I, I, I look back whether it be my personal life or my professional life. I've always got to be on a learning curve um, and sometimes I'm on silly enough um, to actually take on two or three at the same time. Uh, but I think learning is um, for me that that's where growth comes from um, and I learn by doing. And I learn uh, through change. Hmm. I, um, it, it's you know I look at it both in my I look at my personal life, for example, and you know I renovated a house. I was the project manager. I could have paid somebody to be the project manager to sit on top of the general contractor. I did it myself. It was ninety minutes away from New York City, and I managed to do that and hold down a job at the same time, as well as working on getting two kids into private school in Manhattan, which is no small feat. So, you know, learning by sitting there and understanding with the electrician exactly how that's going to work in terms of wiring the house or, you know, whatnot. So it's, it's really learning by doing. And from a professional standpoint, um, for me, that is understanding what are the commonalities and the foundation I can lean into while I'm discovering new and figuring out what it is I don't know and how to go about learning that in order to solve a problem. So, so I, do, I do think learning is, a big, is
1: really important. And so like, like me, you've been out of school for 20-plus years, gulp. What, what, give, me, give, me, <laughs> give me some key, key moments in, in that journey since school where, you said, where you've learned the most or where or that learning has pivoted what you're actually doing.
0: Yeah, so I, I had a really great opportunity at um, a career, a company called NYSE Urinex, and I worked there for 14 years. I joined um, at, at, as a predecessor company called Archipelago, and it was kind of a small startup. And I really liked the disruptive technology, and I actually only knew one part of the trading space. And I called up the CEO, and I said, hey, I understand what you're doing, and I know derivatives, and I know technology that changes behavior, I can learn equity trading. And I think we can make this mark, we can make this growth and revenue growth and change, change the industry here. And I was fortunate because he said yes. Um, so, you know, the lesson there is just ask for what you want. Um, uh, I've got a couple examples of those. But I then went in and I, I basically learned, I became a student of the markets in the equity space to understand it. And then I applied what I already knew to create a combined outcome. Um, when, that, when, that,
1: when, what, what year was that when you asked that CEO or you said to him, I understand technology that changes behavior? Do you remember, what year was that?
0: That was in 2000.
1: Two thousand. And, and, and did, I had. Did you know that CEO previously? Was that a no. cold email? Was that over a glass of wine at a conference? How did that actually <laughs> take place?
0: It was a straight up cold call. Hmm. Um, I had seen this company. Um, I'd read some articles. I'd, I'd actually seen their commercials, which I thought were great on CNBC. And I had just left a technology startup uh, that I had went to in nineteen ninety nine. Whereas you know straight up, you know, card tables and 10 of us in a conference room. And that technology startup was a software in derivatives trading that made the markets more efficient. And, you know, I didn't really know software at the time, but I knew the product space and I knew people's behavior. So that for me was the learning curve at that job was learning technology. And we were this most successful failure because we were acquired by our competitor um, for our patents. We were closed down. And, um, you know, it's a perfectly legitimate business strategy out of that competitor at the time. We were part of, kind of the first dot-com bust, if you will, in 1999. But from that experience, I really realized I liked how technology ch- disrupts things and changes people's behavior. And I really realized I like being a change agent. I like learning and I like building around that. So I called up Archipelago. I called up the CEO and founder and just gave him my pitch after I kind of researched his company. He said, sure, (laughs) to my surprise. (laughs) And then um, that led to uh, Archipelago being acquired by the New York Stock Exchange. And then at a certain point, NYSE merged with Euronext, which was a collection of European exchanges. And I was leading the ETF and index business. And I went to the CEO uh, at the time, Duncan Niederauer, and I said, hey, you know, this is a business that is grow- exploding in the U.S. and it's growing, but it's smaller in Europe. I'd like to lead both businesses in a combined way. I think we can have a more consistent client experience. We can, um, rein- we can build the brand better we can advocate for our technology and our, and our services better. And I kind of gave him my pitch and he said, yes. Right, so there was kind of another example of ask for what you want and you might just get it. Now, the learning curve there was, I didn't know the European regulatory environment and I had to learn it. So I became you know, an incredible student of that, reading, talking, um, taking in as much as I could. A year of doing that, which was commuting between New York and Paris, led to our CEO asking me to move to Europe and become the chief operating officer of the European uh, trading businesses, which was a really big deal at the time. It was. Um, I moved from New York to Paris and uh, was there for four years, and it was the first time I was really a broad business leader and not just a product manager. Hmm. I, had mul- I had multiple businesses. Um, I had multiple businesses. I had, had to think about share of wallet with the clients. I had to think about cross product pricing. I had to think about five different regulatory environments we were dealing with. I had to think about you know, being the technology uh, decision maker and investment owner in terms of our, we've got a problem in latency. Are we going to throw hardware at it or is it a software solution? And had to understand that. You know, we were also coming out of the global financial crisis. At the time, and many of our customers, the big banks, were bankrupt or owned by the government. Um, So, organic growth and revenue growth at that time was incredibly difficult to achieve. Um, And we had to continue to remain open and relevant and really driving an outcome. Um, Lots of career shaping moments there, Uh, several that I'll never forget.
1: Um, Have you before? moving uh, to Paris for four years, had you ever been to had you ever lived anywhere outside the United States more than just the commute between New York or Paris or a family or vacation as a kid?
0: Yeah. You know, not really. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I I did spend a semester at the London School of Economics. um, And I was pretty comfortable with, I mean, I was very comfortable with international travel and and whatnot. Um, I think, you know, the real challenge there again was this, this kind of yearn for learning, I thought I actually didn't know any French. Um, but I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. Lots of people learn French. Um, so, uh, I kind of went there with the, I'll figure it out mindset. And I think that's a really, you know, it's kind of consistent in that learning yearn for learning is if you have a figure it out kind of spirit, you can get a lot of things done. Um, so no, I really, I really didn't before I moved there. And Um, and how's your French now? Oh, it's, it's, it's gotten worse since I've moved back. I've been back in the U.S. now for about five years. Um, no, four years. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really poor now. But has you you, you picked it up
1: to a conversational person once you were over there? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I could do, I could do, um, socially fine, uh, business. I could, I could, I was all right. um, and, you know, frankly, I was operating in the European theater and we had clients in Amsterdam, in Belgium, in Portugal, in Germany. So most of the business language was in English. Um, but learning the culture of how to do business overseas and in multiple countries was um, fascinating. And you had to be able to adapt and to change and to understand signals of communication, both ones that are given. And the signals that aren't apparent um, in order to figure out how to get things
1: done. Uh, that's really interesting. Stay there for a second. Signals of communication. I've never, I've never heard it uh, framed like that, but it's an interesting comment, both verbally and non-verbally. Because I'm, yeah. sh- I'm sure I, I probably need that advice dealing with my three kids
0: on a daily basis. <laughs> well, it's as much about what is said as what is not said. And I think that when you, when you work in an environment where you don't, you don't know the primary native language, you start to realize what you miss. Uh, And so therefore you start to actually realize, you get get very little about what's said. And so you start to realize what's not said, but how decisions are still made. So I think it's, you know, we have it in the U.S. Any culture has it in a monoculture environment. You just, you observe it, you observe it and pick up those signals differently when you're an outsider. Uh, so I, I think it's, you know, and that goes for being a leader, right? That's part of being a leader as a role model is to realize people follow your behavior, both what you say as well as what you don't say Hmm. and what you don't talk about. So if you're, you know, if you're making an announcement about somebody's promotion, uh, you know, what are you not announcing? What what what's not said? What's left out of the announcement? People read into stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And before asking the ultimate question of what inspires you today, go go back a bunch to your freshman at Miami and, and you're walking up and down streets and, and <laughs> cobblestones and did you did you have that that uh desire to learn at eighteen? Were you doing other things besides the typical college taking your 15 credits and then socially having fun?
0: (laughs) I think I was. I think I definitely was. You know, I kind of – this is what's great about Miami is it's it's full of people – well, first of all, it's full of opportunity. You just have to kind of reach out and grab it. And I think both of my time at Miami and continuing through my life, you know, I grew up and my mother used to say to me, you're not meant to be a bystander in life. You know, get cracking, young lady, is what my mom used to say. And I think at Miami, there's lots of doers. There's, you know, people aren't bystanders. We get involved. We step forward. We do internships, we talk to the professors, we understand, you know, we, we meet them in, in office hours to understand kind of what's their view of, of, of interesting careers, where did they previously work, what research are they doing, right? Opportunities are there, you just have to be able to recognize them and then reach out and grab them. And I think you know one of the things I learned at Miami and it kind of really came came forward in my, I guess, senior year, is it really gave me and built up this confidence that I can ask for what I want. Um, And I've used that several times um, throughout my career, Uh, the ability to just kind of ask for what you want. Uh, I remember, do you guys remember, do you remember, uh, David, the the career fair at Millette Hall? Yes. And there was like hundreds of companies, all those tables, brochures, right? It was a big, big deal. I'm I'm sure they don't do it that way anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, (laughs) I remember walking in there feeling, okay, wow, this is, now I need to, like now I'm growing up. I need to get a real job. And I'll never forget. I walked up to this table at Nations Bank and I talked to the recruiter for a few minutes. She took my resume, put it on a stack of, you know, inch and a half thick. I thought, geez, I'm never gonna stand out. Um but anyway, we had this conversation and she kept calling me Melissa, <laughs> not Lisa. And I, you know, we talked about recruiting and she said they recruit for the community and commercial banking analysts from Miami. And I said, well, my name, is, my name is Lisa, not Melissa, and I want to be in your investment banking program. Um, here's my internship I had at Continental Bank, and this is the area I'm interested in. And she said, well, Melissa, we, we don't recruit for Miami for that. We go to the Ivy League schools like Brown and Yale, et cetera. And the noise level was so loud. Right, and she's got my resume. It's like it's on top of an inch and a half stick of resumes. She's going to put another inch of resumes on top of that, and she called me Melissa again. Um, at which point, I said, "You know, my name is Lisa, and thank you very much for telling me about your community banking, you know, recruitment. Uh, but I'm really interested in the investment bank, um, so I just want to thank you for your time." And, um, you know, I look forward to maybe learning more about Nations Bank and other areas down the road. Right. So I just kind of walked off. Right. So we had we said our pleasantries and that was it. A month later, she called me and she said, hi, I'm the recruiter for Nations Bank and your name is Lisa and not Melissa. And then she offered to give me two phone interviews to screen me for the investment banking analyst program, um, which as she reminded me, they don't recruit from Miami for that. Um, I passed the phone screens. I got invited down to the super day. Um, And there I am with all these Ivy League private school, um, actually guys. I was the only girl. Uh, I got the job. And I remember thinking to myself, that's what you get for just saying what you want. Um, And, you know, at the beginning of when I started the job, they said, okay, you'll be in one of six groups. We'll let you know which one we're going to choose for you. At which point I, of course, then said, well, I'd like the derivatives (laughs) team. (laughs) So again, I just asked for what I wanted and, you know, it it creates this opportunity for someone to actually deliver to the expectations. They feel good about it. They don't have to guess. They don't have to hope. And if they don't, you know, they'll come back with a well-reasoned explanation and you can then react from that. So I just think I've gotten really comfortable in my career over time and Miami's been super helpful in creating that confidence, just if you see an opportunity, ask for what you want. Create the opportunity, ask for what you want, and and it it happens.
1: And I think your description of Miami's full of opportunity, you just need to reach out and grab it, I think is well said because it's it you, you can't expect a, your school or your employer to not to just put it on a silver plate for you. That's right. All you can ask is that they give you the chance for you to succeed and then you've got to go do it. And so that's right. I think that's a, that's a fair statement. Um, all right. So that's, that's a fascinating backstory. I feel like I want to call you Melissa now, but that's a, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So 2018, what inspire, what are you doing now? What inspires you now?
0: Well, right now. So as, as we kind of start off the conversation, I recently left my job. Um, I left in the spring in part because I realized while I had gone, while I had been on an interesting learning curve. I felt like I was starting to plateau and I didn't really wasn't entirely sure that the direction I was on, the direction of travel was what I wanted to be on in 10 years. So I thought, wow, it's time to kind of step back and reassess. And, you know, I really need to step away from work to do that because I'm kind of one of those people that's really all in at work. And so in order to reflect on what I wanted next, I, I left and I decided I need to rest. I need to recharge and I need to be able to think about what is the next career step. So I'm kind of at this point where I've got my career and myself were like a big transition, right? I felt like I need, I feel like I want to disrupt myself. Hmm. I want I want to get back on a really steep learning curve, right? And so I want personal disruption. I'm looking at other cities. I've been in New York City, you know, 20 some odd years. I'm looking at other cities. I'm looking at other industries. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, domain expertise that is uh, very tangential to what I know, but again, it's because I want to be on this steep learning curve, and I feel like I need that to grow. Um, you know, transition means different things for different people. For some people, it's new city, right? It, for, I was in transition when I moved to Paris, right? For some people, it's same. You know, different company. Um, uh, some people, it's you know. Uh, same company, different job. You know, really, people define define this very differently. It's very personal, and that's exactly how it feels in the moment. It feels really personal. So, where I'm spending my time is figuring out what does inspire me. Um, I decided to stop reading my typical, you know, financial news and things that I normally read, and said, "Okay, I don't have to read anything because I don't. I don't have to read anything. I could read nothing all day." I could follow nothing. I could follow nothing. What what's interesting? I just let my interest take me without any regard to industry or keeping up or keeping on the pulse of, of my colleagues and peers. So I've really opened that aperture really, really wide. Um, and I'm taking in you know, all sorts of information. I'm, right now, I, there was a time a couple months ago where I was really interested and in, spent a lot of time learning about cybersecurity. I came up with an investment thesis, uh, looked at a couple of companies, and then the end, I've decided it's a place where I'd want to invest. It's not a place where I want to be an operator. Um, and at this point, I'm, I'm kind of looking at where is, you know, where do I think is interesting it, right now is artificial intelligence and how we're applying that to lots of different industries. And so I'm spending some time uh, networking and talking to lots of folks outside of financial services on where it's a game changer for how we essentially can use data and predictive modeling to make better decisions for, um, companies and their customers. Um, so I'm really open to getting outside my own kind of prior lanes, if you will, uh, because I, I, I want that learning curve.
1: And and you talked about recharging yourself. So without being in an office for, 6, 10, 12, 16 hours a day and being on a plane. Yeah. (laughs) That that helps a little bit on recharging. But what else do you do to recharge yourself?
0: You know, I think you you have to step away. So one of the things I've actually done is, you know, immediately after I left, I decided, you know, I was going to basically make myself a plan where once a month my kids and I were going to go on vacation. We're going to go to a new place, a new city, somewhere we hadn't been and just try things try different food try different cultures um so that's been a really great adventure for us we've been doing it every month and we have through the end of the year we've got a game plan um and i think that's part of recharging and and resting i think you need space to think at least i do i need space to think and um, i've been exercising more i've been sleeping better um i don't miss the inside of the airline lounge um, you know, <laughs> those little plates where you get the small cookies and a little cheese while you're waiting mm-hmm. for your plane. Yep. <laughs> I don't miss going to those. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, this summer I've been, um, uh, actually fortunate to be at my weekend house and I swim every day. Uh, it's been great. So I'm really relishing this time. I know that it's not forever. Um, cause I do want to go back to work. I, I do, I am seeking an operating role. And, um, but it's really about, you know, taking, giving myself some space to recharge. And I think everyone should do that.
1: So when you were in the office, I, now with a, a weekend house and kids out of school in the summer, there's a little bit more ability and space to think when you yeah. are, when school gets back going for kids. And, uh, even when you had, when you were working full time, where was your space? Where, where did you was it a coffee shop was it on a walk where, where did you where did you find that space to think
0: well i think you raise a really good point i actually think so many executives were go 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 we are scheduled from you know the minute we wake up and we wake up really early to you know well into the night like i can remember that i would do calls with my team in london at 5 a.m. because my kids were still sleeping and i could be on the phone, you know. I don't know, making breakfast or organizing lunches uh, while I'm having the conference call, right? So we're multitasking, um, and we're packing things in the, into the daytime from five a.m. to ten o'clock at night, and we're on planes, we're in airline lounges, we're on the New York City subway, and we're reading emails. We're on the bus, um, cross town bus, and you know, responding to emails. I didn't create the space to think. In any of my last jobs, without a doubt. And I recognize that as one of my own failures, both to myself, um, probably to my family and, you know, I think to the job ultimately. So it's something that I'm actually really going to work hard at putting some deliberate tools and tricks into my schedule for the next role that I create that space to think right I, I do think I did find over time as when I did that it would be walking to and from work in New York City, so it'd be a forty five minute walk and I would try not to do phone calls or email and just think and just relax and listen to the sounds of the city if if you can find that relaxing
1: <laughs> and, and what do you what do you tell that twenty one year old senior uh, who's walking into their first couple weeks or months of senior year right now and looking for a job in the future about how to get inspiration themselves or take advantage of these opportunities in front of them?
0: I would say, you know, don't be so set on having a game plan that you close off opportunity. Um, Experiment uh, with different careers, experiment with different roles, be a risk taker. Um, Because I think in, In that change there's growth Uh, and it's as much about learning about yourself you know your first job your first really your first five years you really learn about what you're good at what you like to do um, you know what you don't like to do and it's the synthesis of all of that over the first couple of years that's really important and to be able to get a a robust view of that right You've, you've got to take in a lot of different opportunities and I'll try a lot of different things. So I would say, you know, try a lot of things in your early part of your career. And then frankly, don't be afraid to keep doing that as you get older. As we get older, right, our risk taking from our career perspective sometimes goes down because we have, you know, schools to pay for, college to save for, retirement. Maybe we're we're supporting our parents, right? We tend to, as we get older, be a little bit less of a risk taker. And I think I'm deliberately trying to keep myself in that risk-taking mode and in that change agent mode um, in order to keep growing.
1: Thank you, Lisa, Melissa, Lisa, you know, whichever one they're going to call you, you've crushed it in what you do. I'd pay for a ticket to listen to Lisa talk about personal growth and personal disruption and the ability and what's needed to learn within the current business career or what you're doing and also to expand um, opportunities in the future. No doubt she will disrupt herself, recharge, and do something that we are all reading about in in due time. And and when that happens, we'll put her back on the pod. But uh, Dahmer, thanks for taking the time. I miss having a beer with you at Skippers. I hope we can do that soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening and sharing. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.